All right. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer again this morning. Jonathan, you want to lead us? Amen. All right. Revelation chapter 21. Two more chapters. That means we only got about three and a half more years to go on this. <laughs> 21. I'm going to mention this. I've got three more of these pastor appreciation cards. If it's on your heart, pray about it. $25 a month will feed these pastors. So another couple of weeks. Thank you. Another couple of weeks, and then I'll just run up behind somebody and stick it in your pocket, and then you'll be responsible for, for all of them. All right. Um, I want to thank you all for praying for me and my family, uh, my uncle. I try to be very careful about how I say things now. <laughs> um, I don't think it's that I'm getting wise as I get older. That can't be it. Uh, but I just notice things differently now. Of course, I guess you should grow up some, shouldn't you, Johnny, when you get older? You shouldn't approach everything as a kid forever. Well, I didn't mean that towards you. I, well, <laughs> if I'd have meant it towards somebody, I'd have called on Warren. But uh, uh, I, I just think about things when I say them now. Um, you know, even, you know, I, we talked about some things in Sunday school. I, I never thought, call me lack of faith. That's, that's fine. It's true. I never thought we'd overturn Roe versus Wade. I never thought it would happen. But in thinking about that, leading up to that time, and I saw some things about how you talk and how, you know, how, we, how we refer to a, a, a lady. She's going to have a child. No, no, she has a child. <laughs> when she's pregnant, it's there. <laughs> so, you know, although that's small and most of us don't mean anything by it, it changes everything. If a lady is pregnant... It's not that she's going to have a child. She has a child. Um, and just things like that. I mean, I'm, I don't plan on talking about abortion this morning. Um, but things like that. Getting back to my uncle, um, I try to be careful how I say things. We lost my uncle. No. <laughs> no, we didn't lose him. I, I know where he's at. Um, and I'm thankful for that. Um, my uncle passed. I don't, even, I don't like that either. And I used to say all that, and if you say that, that's fine. But, you know, I try to be um, determinant in what I say. Um, my uncle went to be with the Lord. My uncle's with the Lord now. Um, I have no doubt about that. So thank you for praying, and uh, I hope you know where you're going, and I hope you know where your family's going. And, um if not, we'll help you pray about that. I thank God for saving in my family and how he's done that. Um, but that being said, before I get started, there was a couple of things that just, they really um, came to me last week, and I saw some things I wanted to read. And I think it's because we were talking about the great white throne judgment and how, you know, we talked about how death is final and there is no purgatory and there is no soul sleep and this kind of stuff that other people teach and how that when a person leaves this earth, that's it. And the only thing that matters is what they have decided to do with Christ in their life. 
Do they know Christ? Are they saved? Or are they lost? And that determines where they go. There's no intermediate. Um, but uh, I, saw, I saw this, and I thought it was pretty good. I, I want to read it, and y'all just bear with me, and then we'll get into the lesson, Lord willing, here in a second. Um, and don't say amen right after the last part I read, because I ain't done, okay? <laughs> I've done that before. A preacher be saying something. I say, amen, too quick. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he ain't done yet. <laughs> he ain't said what he was going to say, that I was supposed to amen. So uh, it talks about an epitaph on a gravestone. Some of you might have seen this. Um, that said this, remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, thus you must be. So be prepared to follow me. And don't say amen right there. And when I read that, I thought, well, that's, that's pretty good. And before I finished reading the, the whole page that this was on, I was like, but wait a minute. I don't know where he went. <laughs> and I kept reading. And this says, I'm assuming this is true. I mean, it's not supposed to be fiction. It says that on this, this was an older gravestone evidently, and somebody had come by and carved underneath those words, these words. Now, let me, I'm going to go back and read the beginning, and then I'll read Remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, thus you must be, so be prepared to follow me. And somebody, apparently, scratched in, to follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. (laughs) Guys looking at a tombstone. And he's reading these words. Remember, friend, as you pass by, as you are now, so once was I. As I am now, thus you must be. So be prepared to follow me. And then scratched in. To follow you, I'm not content until I know which way you went. And ain't that true? And we got way too many people following and falling just right off into hell just following right along with society and their friends and all that. And I wish, I wish that uh, we'd just shuck all that. And I wish our kids would learn to just shuck all that. You know, one way they're going to learn to just put all that behind them is if we'll just shuck all that. Um, I don't think we have any understanding what a witness we are in front of our children. I don't think we know the depths of that. Um, unless maybe when you get older and you realize, you know, how your parents were influential in your lives. And I do. But even as a parent, even though I know that as a parent, I still don't understand exactly how just everything I do, they pick up. Good and bad. And yeah, your Sunday school, Sunday school teacher does bad too. Everybody does. They just pick it up. And with kids, you better watch it because they'll talk about it. <laughs> but I thought that was, that was good. Um, and then I had, I had something. I don't even know where I got this. I may have got this up here. But it talks about um, the dash. 
and, and, and I think we've, we've talked about this, but it talks about that dash between the two dates on your tombstone. You got your birth date, you got the day you died, but that dash is all you got. And we need to make it the most we can for, for Christ. That's, that's the important part. Um, I had several things. So my, 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 my thoughts are, are kind of up in the air. But thank you for praying for me and my family. Um, as I get older, and I know some are even older than me in here, it, death becomes real. It, it used to not be that way. But when I see people that I've known my whole life go to be with the Lord and leave this walk of life, it, it, uh, it becomes real. And we're so busy, like busy bees. And I'll just say in my life, I'm busy. And about 90% of what I do is going to pass on and burn up. About 10% of what I do really matters. I'm not proud of that. But we're so busy. Um, so thank you. Thank you. I, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, I got to thinking about that as I thought about this great white throne judgment we had just talked about and how, how that's it. There's no more opportunity. It's over. Um, you know, even when we think about the rapture of the church, we think, well, that's going to be it. Well, it will be for some, but not for all. But this point we've reached here, that's it. There'll be no more one for Christ. No more. It's over. So it, it, brings, a, it brings a finality to it. So... Here in Revelation 21, we have, um, your Bible probably has several different headings over it. Um, I've seen some different things, call it the eternal state, uh, the new heaven and the new earth, new Jerusalem, and all that's, all that's fine. But it's full of things, and there's not a ton to, to discuss, really. And of course, I've said that, I guess, about everything we've talked about, we end up talking about it a long time but what I'd like to do is I want to read the chapter um, and then I want to go back and and talk about some of these verses here in Revelation 21 now again very quickly we've come through all we've come through the church age and the rapture of the church and the tribulation and Christ coming back and setting up the millennial kingdom and people born in the millennial kingdom and we've talked about that and how Satan is bound and he's loosed and he leads a revolt and God wipes them out and you have, you know, the great white throne judgment and here we are now. Um, most of these verses are going to talk about things that, that we will partake in. Not all of them, uh, but, but most of them in these next couple of, couple of chapters. And then we'll be done. So Revelation 21 John says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, 
and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. And her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall, great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, and 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of the angel. And the building of the wall of it was of jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third uh, chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth a topaz, the tenth a chrysaprasus, the eleventh a jacinth, the twelfth an amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. And I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it, and the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. And they shall bring the the glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination, nor maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, 
<laughs> we have more detail about that right there than we've had in about anything we've studied. And I have less to say <laughs> about that. <laughs> I think. This is something that, you know, and, and I guess we've kind of talked as we've come along. You know, my, my thoughts as a, I'm finding that my thoughts as a child and as a young man just get turned upside down when I finally read what Scripture says about some things. Uh, we've talked about that before. We think Scripture says certain things, and then we find out, well, man, I don't guess it does say exactly that. Um, so we have to be careful about that sometimes. You know, I told you my mom, you know, honestly one of the best Christian women I've ever met said she always thought there was a verse in the Bible that said every tub sits on its own bottom. I mean, she thought that her whole life. Where do you get that? I don't know. But um, somebody called me one time when I was doing this study uh, somewhere else many years ago and, uh, and asked me if there's a verse in the Bible that, that mentions the sea of forgetfulness. And I said, absolutely. Well, can you find it? I never could find it. The thought's there, but the sea of forgetfulness is not there. So there's some things here, and, and I find it, as, I, as I've studied this, this time here, this eternal time, um, that there's some things that I thought this wasn't quite right. It doesn't change. It doesn't, it's nothing doctrinally. Just some things here about, about this time and about this city. Um, let me get this out of the way here because I can't, I keep looking at it, but how many, and we know at this time that, then there's a whole lot of different opinions about this, and I'll probably ask Mr. David a question later when we start talking about something four square, you know, even that, I don't even sure I know what that means because that can be a couple of things. So when we think about this, you know, there, there's, there's, Evidently, um, as verse 1 tells us, that the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there's no more sea. Why? John says, I saw the new heaven. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And we are, we've already talked about that. And I'll read it again in a minute. But I think it's speaking of what Peter tells us. It says the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. There, there's no more sea. Why? Let me ask you this. Which heaven are we talking about? That's one of the things, early when I was studying this uh, in my life, uh, um, and it was always there. But you talk about heaven, I'll, you know what I thought of, always. God's abode. That's not the only heaven. The Bible speaks of three heavens, and we, we've talked about that. So you've got this, basically our atmosphere here, you've got outer space, and you've got where God is. Three heavens. And Paul talks about being caught up to the third one. So when it says a new heaven and a new earth, well, I mean, there's only one earth. We know which one gets destroyed or um, however you want to look at it, re remade. Um, 
Which heaven are we talking about? Anybody? <laughs> yeah. So we know it ain't the third. <laughs> and I don't think it's the second. I think it's the first, our atmosphere. Peter talks about, I guess I might as well read it. Peter talks about in 2 Peter 3, 10 through 12, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, if you don't agree with me, don't say nothing, okay? <laughs> but I don't know how you get anything else out of that verse other than one day the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. How do you symbolize that? So, I believe the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat. But assuming that I'm right and some of these others that have mentioned are right and that this earth, we know that, that this earth is going to be, I'm going to say remade. Um, it's apparently going to be burnt up. There's going to be a new one. Um, a lot of people, you know, they're, they're real picky about how you word that. Talking about the first destruction, the flood. You know, the Bible talks about the world which then was perished. Well, I mean, the earth didn't perish. The people did, and a lot of the animals. Um, but the earth didn't necessarily perish. And I was reading a guy last night that I have, I have a lot of confidence in. Um, I won't tell you who he is in case you've got some of his books. But I don't know if it's ever happened to y'all that, that read other books. But, boy, I had a lot of confidence in this guy. and still do. And then I read something last night, and I was like, oh, man. Man, why'd I have to read that? But he, he talks about how um, he was talking about this and talking about the remaking of the earth. And he kind of tied it back to the time of Adam and Eve. And he talked about how that there was definitely sin on the earth before Adam and Eve. And how um, Genesis, the first couple of verses of Genesis talk about the earth and how something catastrophic happened and God had to remake the earth and a lot of people believe that I don't know if you've ever heard that or not but a lot of people believe that basically when God cast Satan and his, de his devils out that he cast them to the earth and that gave them dominion over the earth and that they messed it up and that God had to start over that's a, that's a prevalent belief Um, and then God rebuilt the earth, remade the earth, and he put Adam and Eve there, and there you go. I don't, that's hogwash <laughs> to me. I, I don't find that. Um, the Bible says that death came by sin. There was no death before sin. 
And where did sin originate? Well, <laughs> so you get into things like that and you read some of these guys. Um, and he was talking about this and talking about how the flood. And we know that God did judge the earth with a flood. And this time it's going to be with fire. And there'll be a new earth. And I believe we'll have a new atmosphere. But I always wondered, why? What's the need for that? I understand man is evil. Um, it, are animals? Are animals sinful? No. You're right. No, they're not. What about a piece of dirt? So why why have to do this? Yeah, fire purifies. That's right. Are you taking a breath or are you done? <laughs> I saw you. Okay, yeah. So, Miss Peggy's right. Fire, fire purifies. But uh, and I've all, but like I say, I've always wondered why. Why do we have to purify our atmosphere? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, I heard somebody say when they, and I think I've mentioned this, when they were talking about, uh, oh, it just went blank. The guy that uh, they they were they were being disobedient in transporting the Ark of the Covenant. Um, they were supposed to use long rods and stick them through those eyes and the Levites were supposed to carry it. That's how it was meant to be carried. Um, but they put it, David had put on a cart and they, they were pulling this cart of the Ark of the Covenant and it went to fall and this guy reached out to keep it from falling and touched it and God killed him. I'm like, that ain't fair. <laughs> All he was trying to do was Hold the ark. Her eyes got real big. <laughs> I said, that ain't fair. <laughs> and I was reading about that. And that always, that all, it always it bothered me. I'm just being honest. I believe God's just, just like you do. It always bothered me. All he's trying to do is keep the ark from hitting the ground. But it all goes back to obedience. And God said, don't touch it. Right, right. And so I was reading a guy, and he was talking about the ark being transported there. and said that, that Uzzah, or I can't remember exactly what his name was, he was trying to keep it from falling in the mud. And this guy said, well, what makes him think his hand's any cleaner than the mud it was going to fall in? At least the mud is obedient to God. 
And I thought, whoa. <laughs> but God said, don't touch it. That's, yeah, right. Yeah, that's what we talked about. He said, stick them rods through those eyes and carry it on. Let the Levites carry it. If they hadn't have done that in the first place, he would have been fine. So I don't know that I know why we have to do this. But sometimes God does stuff and we just have to live with it. <laughs> now, I have read some very inter- inter- interesting things about Satan being the prince of the power of the air. And that specifically talking about the atmosphere of this earth. And that since that was his realm, God is going to purify that with fire. I'm fine with that. But it just leads to a question. Why why do we have to do this? Well, because God wants to, and that's going to have to be good enough. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So, why? I don't think we exactly know. But I do know that if God makes a new one, it's going to be real good. We don't even know what it's going to be like. Now, we can talk about what the earth was pre-flood. There are some things archaeologists can find and archaeologists will lie to you, by the way. I don't want to get off on that. I'm bad about getting off on creation. Just understand, if you take your kids to a museum, they're going to get lied to. You might as well get ready for it, unless you go to the Ark Encounter um, or the Creation Museum. But, uh, what was I saying? Archaeologists, yeah. So we could talk about what the earth was like before the flood. Somewhat. We believe that. Of course, plants got huge and reptiles got huge, dinosaurs. And there was a lot more oxygen and a lot less radiation, and people lived a lot longer. And we think that it reverses to, reverts to that in the, in the millennium from what we talked about. That's the best I can tell. And as good as that'll be, this earth is going to be even better than that. <laughs> so we don't know what it's going to be like. No. Well, we can't even conceive the intricate details that he tells us here that we'll talk about later. He gives us intricate details that I don't even understand, a lot of them. So, no, we, we can't know. Like Miss Peggy said, our mind can't comprehend what that's going to be like. It can't comprehend what the atmosphere is going to be like. It calls it transparent twice, or it called it something and then transparent, which was the same thing. That's pure. Um, So we're going to talk about that too, somewhat. So we've talked about this heaven and this earth. Um, and and there's, there's people that, there's people that symbolize this. I don't, I don't know how you symbolize it. The Bible said that 
there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. So there'll be one. Uh, look at verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a, as a bride adorned for her husband. And as we read, and as part of the reason I wanted to go ahead and read the rest of the chapter, we're not told anything about the earth, but we're told a good bit about this city. Um, the Bible says that it's prepared. Now, a lot of people tie that back when Jesus said, I, I go to prepare a place for you. And I don't know about that. I, I have no idea. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. Don't know. I heard an excellent, excellent message one time uh, indicating that he was talking about the cross. He was going to prepare a place, a way for us. Maybe so. But the Bible says it is prepared. It's a prepared place. Um, and in a minute, you know, I want to think about, well, maybe not, to, no, not today. Uh, what time? Five minutes? Is that right? Uh, so at some point, I want us to think about who's going, who's going to live here? That's a good question. It may not seem like one, but it is. And how many people, let's just wrap up with this. How many people are going to live here? How many people are going to be here? Um, is everybody that lives during this time going to live in this city? Or not? You ever thought about that? Keep coming to Sunday school. <laughs> Maybe you can help me with the answer. <laughs> Is everybody that lives during this time going to live in that city or not? Who is the city prepared for? These are some of the things I was talking about I have to work out in my own mind from just being a kid. I, listen to this. This, this blew me away. Um, how many people do you think will exist during this time? Now, all the unsaved... They're, they're in the lake of fire. Okay? So we're only talking about God's people. Any idea? How many people? Can you even guess? <laughs> if anybody did, I figured it would be you. Yep. Yeah. Massive. Yeah. Right. Which also goes to the question I'm not going to answer today is everybody alive living in the city? Because if not, you can have even more than that. We tend to think that the population of hell is here and the population of heaven is here. Isn't that what we think? Is it true?
We don't know. We're not going to know an exact number, even with what I'm about to say. Listen, listen to this. This, is, this blew me away. But, and I don't know how many people have died. And this was several years ago. Do you might know how many, well, let's go here. According to some archaeologists and sociologists, uh, Hunter, maybe you, Misty, somebody can correct me. I, I don't know. I'm just going by. I read this in three different places. These basics, this basic same thing. That worldwide, and we tend to only think of America, <laughs> but there are people other than us out there. So worldwide, I've read several places that anywhere from 60 to 70% of those born never reach their eighth birthday. due to famine and disease and things like that, that luckily we don't have to deal a lot with here. But boy, they do in other places. 60 to 70% of people born never reach their eighth birthday. How many people have been born? Now, I don't know if you've got these figures, Mr. David, and maybe you... You can correct. I'm, I'm just trying to, I've tried to figure out since this book I was reading. But they say, from what I can calculate, it's going to be about 50 billion. Anybody got a calculator? <laughs> what is 70% of 50 billion? Thirty-five. Thirty-five billion. Okay? That's how many have died before their eighth birthday. If these people are right. What happens to these kids that die before their eighth birthday? They go to heaven. You ever thought of that? Thirty-five out of the fifty billion are there right off right off the top how many have we murdered with abortion worldwide anybody know I'm sure it has to do with the Roe versus Wade thing but I couldn't find a static number <laughs> long time ago, this guy said one thing. I'm going to say it's between 750 million and a billion worldwide. Not America. We've done our share. Worldwide. So let's just say, for numbers' sake, there's another billion. What happened to those kids? And they were children. They're in heaven. So now, what are we sitting at? 36 billion? Okay, and if 35 billion out of 50 died, well, how many were left? 15. Let's say 10% of those accept Christ. And that may be a high number. How many is that? Anybody know what 10% of 15 billion is? 1.5 billion. 
So now, now we're sitting at, I've already forgot what, 37 and a half billion lives. Those aren't counted. I was going to say that. Those are not accounted for in these numbers. So that was another thing that I had to go. <laughs> so is the majority in hell or is the majority in heaven? Well, it depends on how you look at it. The vast majority of those that reach the age of accountability go to hell. That's the ones we need to be focusing on. But realize that, and Mr. David's right, we're, we're going to talk some about these measurements later. This is a massive city. And I'm going to be honest, I don't know if everybody lives in this city or not. So there may be more people than this city can hold. But even the numbers we're looking at, you're looking at 37.5 billion there. That's massive. Massive. And so, you know, that's really it this morning. But think about that. Think about... I did. Hold that thought. <laughs> yes, ma'am. You tell me those cottons aren't are not floating around like right. they okay. Yeah. So, you know, why why do we talk about that? Well, a lot of t- and and now, you know, living we are, but a lot of times like I said, we just we just seem to think that the content the the occupants of hell are just multitudes more than the occupants of heaven and I just don't know that that's true anymore. But it is true, like I said, that most that live to the age of accountability don't accept Christ. That is true. Um so think about these things and, and you know, um, what are we going to do there? <laughs> yeah. 
And that kind of goes to the dash we were talking about earlier. What have we done with that? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. Well, we'll catch up next time. Mr. Mike, you want to dismiss us?